Welcome back to The Olivia Show. If you're listening to this, that means you maybe listened to episode one and you liked it. Or, um, it doesn't matter. You can start wherever. It's not like a serialized podcast. It's just me bullshitting my way through life. And let me tell you my plan for my life from here on out. I think I'm going to, um oscillate every other year between ugly and hot and I don't mean I obviously I'm never gonna get ugly that'd be impossible I'm not looking at hot and ugly as like adjectives but like concepts for being I'm not gonna focus on being hot this year I did that in 2022 when I was like re-emerging representing myself to the world it's a hot single 27 year old woman starring in a movie that's never gonna come out where I'm a porn star my point is I was ready to take that year on and now I'm ready for a break, okay? I think it's important to physically let yourself go every other year so you can focus on more important things like your career, your family, whatever. But just as important is if you let yourself go every other year, the next year after that, you have all this room to grow and become hot again because it's not like sustainable to just keep getting hot and hotter every year that you get older, obviously. It's like chasing the dragon. You're going to look like a dragon from all the fillers you get out of panic. That's all you focus on. So if you focus on it every other year, you're creating an illusion that you're getting hotter every year. But the real like good... Uh, wow, I'm struggling for words right now. The real good consequence of all of this is that the older you get the more year, ugly years you've done, which means that you've spent all this time securing your self-worth, your sanity, gaining humility, and hopefully success. So it doesn't even matter if you're hot. That's my plan going forward for the rest of my life. We're doing an ugly 2023. Who's with me? I was just um, watching Emily in Paris with my roommate, Emily, who's from not Paris, but France. It's um bad. And look, I know I'm not saying anything new here. Kind of my brand, though, is to talk about something that people were talking about months or even years ago and talk about it as if we're all discovering it for the same time together. It's horrible, though. It's like, I mean, it's amazing, but it's also, I don't know. I don't know if I've seen a lead. Like, she's beautiful and I like her in some ways, but she's so one-dimensional and confusing as a character. And also, like, she's fucking someone new in every episode, but she has zero sexual en- energy. Like, she's very, like, autistic-y and asexual vibes, but also that might be because she just seems like like a first-year improv comedian. She doesn't blink. She honestly seems like a cyborg. The show was created by... um Darren Starr, who made Sex in the City 20 years ago. And I think he must have spent the last 20 years doing celebratory lines of cocaine and getting figuratively and literally jacked off. Oh, and also probably got hit on the head at some point. Like, there's like the show is like he's just trying to redo Sex in the City, but at a time where like Sex in the City was perfect for the time that it was created in. 20 years ago, but TV has evolved so much. And also Emily in Paris is just all over the place. Like, I think that he's just trying to make Emily carry, because if you think about it, Emily is just 
Carrie like on paper the character like she does things she makes choices that Carrie would but they seem strange because she doesn't have that charm that sex appeal that emotional range but I think I'm gonna keep watching I like all the other supporting characters and the outfits are nice so that's really all it takes to secure my vote I um I got my eyes checked out yesterday. I don't understand. Like they literally won't let you buy contacts every two years if you don't go in and get your eyes checked, which is of course a scam. My eyes are the same, and I'm $160 broker. I also get anxiety about graduating to a new prescription because my family always made me feel like you should use the least you can get away with. Like when I first got my glasses, my family would get mad at me for wearing them all the time. They're like you're going to get addicted to them. I'm like addicted to seeing? Like, what does that mean? Also, are you like, like, is this victim shaming? Is this vision shaming? Like, what is this? I don't know. The eye doctor asked me what my job is, which is always like the worst experience for me personally. I don't know. I mean, I guess most women have like normal like accounting office jobs, but like, if you're like a housewife or a sex worker or a comedian, I feel like you don't want to answer that question. Like it's just as rude to ask a woman her career as it is to ask her her age. Okay, let's normalize that. Also, like, why is it relevant? Like, do I not deserve to see if I'm a housewife? Like, what? Like, what are you hiding from from us? Holding down the patriarchy, these eye doctors. I told them I'm a comedian. I don't like having to do that. I started comedy when I was 23. I'm 28 now and I love doing comedy. I get more and more obsessed with it. I love trying to figure out how to get better at it. And I've been watching some old sets recently from when I first started when I was 23 and I was so cute. It like, it makes me feel something like it makes me emotional to like watch it and be like, wow, I've grown, but also I'm so proud of my younger self because Honestly, some of these jokes are like pretty good and I'm going to steal them and bring them back into my current act. I am. Thank God I taped these actually because my memory is so bad. Like I literally just forgot. I'm like, I'm watching this. I'm like, I have a whole seven I didn't even know about. But it's also, it's cute to watch like the mistakes I was making. I, I just like, I see what people saw in me because you know, that's something that happens in stand-up is if someone is going to be a comedian for real, they're pretty good right off the bat. And then other comedians are excited about you and they tell you you're good. But it took me a really long time to realize that when people were giving that initial support, it's for your potential. Like you have potential, but you have to do something with it. I think it, I think it's really easy to hold on to that initial you're good and use it as an excuse to never grow, be self-critical, you know, just stay the same and then think you're good because people told you you're good two years in. I feel like I got stuck in that for a little bit and now I'm obsessed with growth again, which is awesome. But anyway, when I was new, like under a year, I was excited because people were telling me I was good and I was like sick, I'm going to be famous. So I invited my family to come out to see me and they were like so confused they were like okay people people tell you you're good huh like what the fuck because all they've ever seen is like top 10 comedians of all time and then they come out and see my comedy and i'm like i'm famous i'm on my way yeah it's like almost like the longer i do it the more i realize 
how much I have to grow, and that's beautiful. Is this something people want to hear about? Is comedy the inner workings of a emerging comedian? I don't know. I do, like, I don't know. <laughs> Probably need to... Here's something. Here's one of my pet peeves, if you're interested. That, like... This might sound cunty, but sometimes you do like a bar show on like a weekday that you know is going to have five people and you're pumped to do it because it's like whatever stage time is awesome. But then for a month leading up to the show, the producer asks you to produce the show for them. And it's like, I have a lot of shows. I can't be producing your show. Or like they'll make you fill out like a Google form that like you're putting your bio. It's like, no, like Shelly from Oakville is not coming to your Wednesday night bar show because they saw that I got nominated for an I Heart Jokes Award three years ago. Like, I don't think... If someone asked me for my headshot, because it's it's pretty easy. I've produced millions of shows. I've never asked anyone for a headshot. You just look it up. It's easy. Me and Paul started doing this thing where I'll just, like, Google, like, blonde lady big nose, and then I'll send that to people if they want a headshot. Fuck it, you know? I fucking hate my emails. My emails overwhelm me. Like, they overwhelm me. I hate when Amazon has the audacity to send me an email being like, did you enjoy that Franz Kafka book you ordered, you absolute douchebag? Hmm? <laughs> it's so like passive aggressive. You know, I didn't read it. You know, I tried to read it and I didn't understand it. So now it's just sitting on my bookshelf. So people who come over think I'm smart. I used to read like cultural theory in university and I had trouble then and I'm having trouble now. I just got this Camille Paglia book that's taking me 10 minutes to read a page. It's 500 pages. It's heavy for my frail little wrists. It's making me feel stupid and it's making me feel weak. And I really want to start being stylish and smart now that I'm edging towards my 30s. You got to find a graceful way to segue out of your 20s. You can have a baby or you can be stylish and smart. Because the truth of the matter is that I'm gonna fall out of touch. I probably already have. The second you turn 31, everyone in your comments on TikTok is just saying you're almost 40, you're disgusting. Have a baby or give up. It's funny, every other video on my For You page, like I'll get a video that's like a cosmetic procedure and then everyone in the comments is like, this is so sad why can't we just age normally and then i'll scroll to the next video and it's like a 30 something woman just telling a joke not even about what she looks like and then everyone in the comments is like you're old kill yourself it's like which one why can't like why are you why are you mean to women about aging like it's already hard enough and you know what can I just add that it's like, it's not like men are aging gracefully. Your hair falls out of your fucking head. We would never do that. A woman would never do that to you. And then men with their hair falling out of their head are going on the DMs and calling women useless for getting older. Maybe I'll have a baby. <laughs> maybe, it'll be, maybe it'll be nice to focus on someone else's potential for once. During the lockdown last year, um, which is like actually exactly a year ago, I was babysitting boys and babysitting boys is really just watching them beat the absolute shit out of each other. And 
I remember when I was first, I was like, oh my God, I got to stop it. And I would try to pull them apart. And then I realized that that was just part of the job is watching them beat the shit out of each other. So I was like, okay, I guess I'll just sit back and enjoy the show. I don't know. It does feel wrong to watch. It feels unethical. It feels like watching dog fighting, you know, because I always place my bets on the bigger one. Here's one thing about babysitting kids or just being around kids in general. I love how honest they are. These kids told me right away that they did not respect me. I really wanted to show them my roast battle on TV. I didn't, of course, but I thought about it. But then I remembered that all of my jokes are just me calling my opponent a rapist. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I don't want to explain to these kids what rape is. And also now it's so funny, like this roast battle I have on TV is with my boyfriend, Paul, before we were dating and I'm just calling him an ugly, small dicked rapist the entire time. And that's the only thing like my family, my extended family has seen me do stand up wise. And then I just bring him to Christmas dinner. Like, do you guys remember Paul, right? It's insane. I, uh, I've been watching these TikTok lives where they peel the egg and it's very soothing it's very relaxing until they get to that last little piece and then it's the biggest anxiety attack you've ever had i was holding my breath watching and they they bide time they don't ever let you see it but if you see a guy pop one accidentally before he gets there it is so sad you get to watch a man who's like whispering like almost there almost there it's like demonic whispering have an absolute meltdown it's so scary because it's like you just know these guys that do this are murderers it's the only thing i can think of it's hypnotizing though it pulls me in it makes me feel taken advantage of i don't know i'm addicted to tiktok i really do get pulled in it's very very addictive they say that social media is more addictive than crack which I don't know about that. I have a friend that was addicted to both Instagram and crack and he sold his phone for crack. So this scar girl stuff is very fascinating. I obviously don't believe her, but the messaging behind the whole thing is kind of that it doesn't matter whether or not you believe her. It doesn't matter whether or not the scar is real. It only matters that she has our attention. You know, she's not even trying to move past it. She's really zeroed in on this. She's milking the content for all that it's worth. And that is so interesting to me because just 10 years ago, it was people's biggest fear that they would go viral for the wrong reasons. People used to be terrified of looking like an idiot publicly. People used to value their privacy and their dignity. Do you guys remember dignity? Remember when <laughs> we cared about dignity? I, I don't. I'm a stand-up comedian. I've never been afforded such a thing. Like I, I'm part of the problem. I realize that. But it's not really our fault now that we live in this attention economy because views and follower counts can actually determine the fate of your business and your livelihood. So in some respects, dignity isn't something we can afford anymore or at least be picky about. 
And Emily in Paris, she has to wear this big uh, designer's dress that's being auctioned off. And these performance artists do this publicity stunt from a competing brand. They throw paint at her dress. And the next day, she's the number one trending thing in France. She's humiliated. She's like, I can't go anywhere. Everyone has seen this. But here's the thing. In this day and age, Emily, who's a girl who's like a supposed social media maven, should be head over heels for going this viral. For something so chic, especially like wearing a designer dress in the Louvre, any e-girl in this day and age would be able to figure out how to leverage and finesse that into an influencer career. That's where Darren Star was getting in a little wrong, Darren Star. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist, uh, or maybe I'm just paying attention to the exponential rate of change in the world, but TikTok really scares me. TikTok offers the best, funniest, most fascinating shit to your face in private viewing with a quick few swipes, and it's content that's specifically designed to entertain you. Your feed is curated to your interests. Every video delivers the setup and the punchline, the thesis and the summary in three minutes or less. So my question is, how are people going to continue wanting to go into the world as this system advances? Hmm? Like, How are people going to want to have long conversations with people who don't know how to get to the point? How are people going to read books, watch comedy or music shows, go to a gallery when you can just watch the best snippets of all of that right from your phone? I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm talking about like over the next 25 years, you know, like TikTok has already evolved since its inception a few years ago. Like in the early days of TikTok, it was very like, okay, I'm going to throw my laptop off a building (laughs) and that still exists, but there's also so many other niches available. Like as this system advances to meet our wants and needs simultaneous to drinking becoming less popular in this next generation, I just feel like people are going to full stop going to bars in the next 25 years. Like people aren't going to be drunk enough to humor a conversation with someone they aren't really interested in. And you'd hope that desire for sexual and platonic companionship would keep us going into the streets. But all this is rising alongside increasingly an increasingly anxious, autistic, asexual population. I know it's futile to be afraid of the future. You should just welcome it with open arms I just feel like we're past our prime in this empire. You know what I mean? Like the heydays of North American capitalism are far, far behind us. It's so easy to make fun of boomers, but I really honestly think that if you were born between the 1950s and 1980s, you had the best life. Hands down, because it's post-war, you got feminism, you got early capitalism, you got freedom, you could buy a house, you could go on vacation, you could have a bunch of kids and feel optimistic about their future. You weren't so like completely worried about the total collapse of political and environmental civilization. Um, I was thinking of ending every episode with a pitch for like a movie or a show, but I will quickly run out. So I'll do one now. And then going forward, um, there's a few listeners already. I would love any questions or just anything you want to hear. Just leave me a DM and I'll talk about that at the end of next episode. Thank you guys uh, for listening. Time to uh, soft pitch a movie I haven't really thought out. So this one, and I do kind of want to write this. I just don't see myself doing it because it's too like thematically deep and it would be like a high production value movie. 
I think that the I love zombie zombie movies. I want to see a zombie movie where it's kind of like the zombies are just the homeless people. Like as the homeless population rises and they're all on drugs and they outnumber us because people aren't able to afford homes and people are getting more addicted to drugs. Uh, a zombie movie where the zombies are the homeless people and it's more like a social commentary about the system, like the virus. We are the virus, like that kind of thing. Anyways, I hope you love that concept for movie. It's obviously not very thought out. Thank you for listening. I love you all very much. And I hope you have very sweet dreams. I'm assuming this is what you listen to before you go to bed. I love you.